movie fans, and welcome to another episode of Real Old Reels. We are Robin and Lisa here with another film for you, and this one comes recommended from our cousin Elkie, one I've never seen before or even heard of. Yeah, this week's movie was the musical Bells Are Ringing, starring Judy Holiday and Dean Martin. And you haven't seen or heard of this movie either, right? No, I haven't. Um, but I'm glad that we got a recommendation for it. Fun. Yeah. Yes, it was really fun. After watching this, I'm now an aspiring Judy Holiday fan. Aspiring because I wasn't really familiar with any of her work until preparing for this podcast. And I think the only thing I saw her in was Adam's Rib, although I didn't know it was her, with Katherine Hepburn. And actually, actually, I'll talk about that in a little bit later. But I didn't know who she was. Immediately, when you watch this film, you're struck by what a great comedian she is. You can't help but love her. Yeah, right. I think she had some real American sweetheart potential. But it's surprising that she wasn't more well-known. Like, Dean Martin is obviously just a household name. But Judy Holiday really steals the show in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Dean Martin, we are already listening to him this season, Christmas season. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give a rundown of what this movie is all about. Judy Holiday plays Ella Peterson, just your average girl next door, but she's super great at her job. She's a telephone operator for an answering service called Suzanne's Phone, and she knows everything about the various clients using the service. She's so caring that they call her up just for a chat or even advice. Oh, Ella, look at this. Miss number 63 is canceling service because she's marrying Mr. number 78. Oh, how wonderful. I had nothing to do with it. I just happened to know that Miss number 63 wanted to mate her female Siamese cat, and I also knew that Mr. number 78 had a male Siamese cat. So I told her, and she called him, and they all got together. And she's so doting and good-hearted and beautiful, you wonder why a good-looking dame like her is still single. (laughs) Well, apparently, as smooth and wise as she is over the phone, she's just as much of a clumsy klutz on dates. Strangely, she finds herself in love with a client over the phone, a client that seems to have a hard time getting up and making meetings and who calls her mom. What's not to love? (laughs) He's in trouble after his business associate dissolved their partnership and he's lacking in confidence. So she winds up at his apartment in person, begging him not to give up on life, and true love is born. Mr. Morris, I know you can write by yourself without your partner. Now, you sit down and finish that outline. Mom, you really care what happens to me, don't you? No axe to grind. Not like the bunch of phonies that I've got around with. You know, you're the only person in the world I can really talk to, Mom. Thank you, Mr. Morris. Now you get to work. But their relationship is based on a bit of false pretense. So she has to choose, own up to the deception and explain herself or run back to her former life as a lingerie model. You can do it, Ella. We're rooting for you. <laughs> it feels really on form for a 60s musical. Very silly, very light, a lot of funny, romantic confusion and uh, miscommunication. It's just perfect for a retro musical, a feel-good musical. 
Yeah, I mean, the costumes alone are worth watching for. I just love watching seeing all those 1950s dresses. Yeah, and the dancing scenes. I, I really actually liked that. I think Judy Holiday made it very entertaining. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised. I've never seen a movie with Dean Martin in it. It's surprising that he actually did pretty well in this. I know. I wonder if it's kind of one of those, um, like, if they were going through all the crooners and giving them a musical for the film. Like, Dean Martin has this one, and then Frank Sinatra yeah. had Guys and Dolls. Right. They're not, like, necessarily big actors or anything, but they're like, oh, they can sing. Yeah. The plot is a bit of a featherweight, but it's very fun, and it's enough for you to stop and take note of Judy Holiday being excellent. Bells Are Ringing was her was actually her last film. She would die prematurely from cancer just a few years later, and sadly, her career just seemed to be a constant battle against the powers that be. She started out on stage, actually. Her breakout role was in a hit Broadway play called Born Yesterday. She was born for the role. Absolutely spot on. But because she wasn't enough of the things studio execs thought a leading lady should be physically, they really fought her from getting the role on Born Yesterday's film adaptation. And what happened next, though, I think is, is very interesting. First, the director's etc. Tried this star and that star and some even took the role for a little bit but ultimately refused it and just a bunch of Hollywood leading ladies at the time were offered the role and this went on for years. Meanwhile, they maligned and mistreated Judy Holiday in various ways. Their excuse was she was an untried film actress and they didn't want to risk it with her. And, but this wasn't entirely true. She did have some bit roles on film before, but no principal characters yet. It seemed, though, that everyone else knew that the lead role in Born Yesterday should be hers, including none other than Katherine Hepburn. Hepburn believed in her so much, she cooked up a plan. She was starring in a film called Adam's Rib, a courtroom drama, which I mentioned earlier. And this was supposed to be a Hepburn and Spencer Tracy vehicle, but Catherine convinced the director to cast Judy in the supporting role as the wife of the cheating husband. It's both a dramatic and comedic role. So it was supposed to get the attention of those in charge of Born Yesterday and show them that Judy had the chops to do Born Yesterday on the silver screen. Well, it, it worked. And Born Yesterday resulted in Judy earning an Oscar for the role, creating one of the biggest Academy Award quote upsets in film history. I like to think all those actresses wouldn't do Born Yesterday out of solidarity for her, for this talented up-and-comer. Though, I don't know if that was the case. But it would be cool if Katherine Hepburn and all these other actresses were like in on it, trying to make sure she got the role. Right. And it, it would be um, a big ask, I think, for a lot of people to just refuse the role, but Right. Yeah. Everyone wants a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> Finally, she got her big break after that one, though, after Born Yesterday. And she'd do many more films until she got blacklisted for suspected communist ties. Then after several years of fighting that, she was back at it for just another short stint of acting, ending with Bells Are Ringing. And in my opinion, she just didn't get enough time to do enough. And she was diagnosed with cancer. And died soon afterwards. Very sad. 
You know, if I so much as ask one of these people for the time of day to turn into a lynch mob? Oh, everybody wants to be friendly, only nobody's willing to make the first move. Why don't you say hello to this nice man over here? He'd appreciate it. Him? That's Dracula's uncle, the wolf man. <laughs> the only thing he'd appreciate would be a nice fresh cup of blood. Oh, it's so easy. All you have to do is say hello. Watch. It is so sad. And she seems so young to be dying that early of cancer. Yeah. There were a lot of actors and actresses who suffered from the Red Scare during that time, though. She wasn't the only one. Uh, Last week, we talked about Lucille Ball when we were reviewing Yours, Mine, and Ours. And she had the same dilemma. She was blacklisted for a while because she had aligned herself as a member of the Communist Party like in her youth because her grandfather who she lived with as a as a youth um was an active party member well he was a he was a socialist and so she was just trying to appease him but she insisted that she never was an active member of the communist party and didn't even hold socialist or communist ideals that combined with her being married to a Cuban, Desi Arnaz, was enough to cause a lot of trouble for her as well. And she had the same issues with being able to work in show business. And then there were a lot of other actors and actresses who were blacklisted primarily from the years of like 1950 to 1960 because of this pamphlet that outed 151 people in show business. The FBI monitored those people in the pamphlet and also basically all of their acquaintances <laughs> in the in entertainment industry for years before that and for years after it as well. And it was such a weird time. It, it was a pointless, it seemed like such a pointless exercise. <laughs> I, I think they targeted the entertainment industry like specifically because they thought that they were broadcasting their socialist ideals like on the screen. I guess it still happens today, though, people getting canceled, although I feel like it's not as, maybe not as formal, no pamphlets being published (laughs) that I know of. Her troubles at the beginning of her career remind me of several actresses' experiences, actually. Just some of the absolutely best of the best nearly missed out on their opportunities because they weren't as dazzlingly beautiful as uh, as the studio execs wanted. I mean, she is still very pretty, but not quite as sultry and seductive as a lot of them were. Mm. A lot of the most famous ones were. Betty Davis, as a young actress, like you see old pictures of her and she's so gorgeous, but she was one that barely squeaked into the system in order to get lots of awards and fame. And she was just, she's known as one of the best actresses of her time. And we think she's beautiful now, but People said horrible things about her looks all throughout her life. And um, Judy Garland is another example. She had it pretty rough from the get-go, too. And we think of her as adorable. But no one really, but no one wanted her for Wizard of Oz. She was a touch too old for the part. And and she was pretty ordinary looking as well, in the uh, studio executive's opinion. Louis B. Mayer, the studio boss, nicknamed her My Little Hunchback, though. And kept her on a starvation diet, closely monitored by employees. And that is just so fun. <laughs> yeah. It's such a 
such a fun business to be in. And of course, there are dozens of examples of actresses past and present being told they weren't pretty enough, good enough. And with their talent and grit and luck, they still became successful. It's pretty amazing. I guess the takeaway is that Hollywood can be a bit of a shallow place. Who knew? Yeah, what a shocker. (laughs) But I think it's so interesting that you mentioned Judy Garland because she was Vincente, I think that's how you say his first name, Minnelli, the director of Bells Are Ringing's first wife. Did you know that or was it just coincidence? I did know that, but I think I had Judy on the brain mostly after watching um, a biopic with Renee Zellweger. It's called Judy. And anyway, so. Oh, yeah, I've heard really good things about that. It was good. Anyway. Um, Well, I'd like to talk about uh, Minnelli a little bit because he was the director of the film and also because I just remember a bit of information from a biography that I read of of Judy Garland when I was a bit younger. And um, so he's obviously her husband and then he is the father of Liza Minnelli. But he's also a pretty interesting director all on his own. He didn't start out as a film director, but as an art director and was just working on the set. And a lot of his films reflect his artistic style. And he was really involved in set design. And it was said that he was a director for which Technicolor was invented because he was so nitpicky about every single detail that was in the set design. He even had a specific color yellow that he included in almost all of his films that was nicknamed Minnelli Yellow because it had to be mixed to the perfect shade just for him, which I was trying to see if I could pinpoint that color in this movie. I didn't see a paint color of yellow, but there were a lot of pops of yellow in the movie. And I don't know if it was because of what he that he was just loved yellow or not. Yeah, maybe there's a uh, really good example somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I just noticed like um, like a couple of her dresses were like a shade and like some um, pillows and stuff. But yeah, I didn't notice any paint colors in this specific film. From the sound of it, he sounds like he'd be really difficult to work with. But he was actually yeah. quite soft-spoken and really polite to um, the press and, and to everyone he worked with, apparently, even if he was like a really particular person. He was heavily influenced by surrealism because that was really popular at the time. And so sometimes his sets might seem a bit fantastical, though I didn't notice that much specifically in this film either. Also, most of his films featured dream sequences or mentioned dreams, which this one has a, a song number about dreams or, you know, it's kind of adjacent to dreams. So that's in there. But I think some of his other films have like more wacky dream sequences. I bet he has he was a lot more influential on 60s musicals than I realized because, yeah, there's a lot of that. They're not all directed by him, but there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was looking at, at what he had directed and I there were a lot of of movies that I recognize. But I think the only one that I've seen is Gigi. Yeah, I remember that one. So I'm curious, though, how did he and Judy Garland get together? We're going a little off topic, but I want to know. I can't remember, like, all of the details, but they did work on a movie together. Meet Me in St. Louis? Oh, yeah, probably. And then they got married shortly after. When I watch musicals, 
I I really like the dancing numbers that they have. <laughs> I mean, probably because I can't dance myself and so everything looks really impressive. <laughs> but I really yeah. like the the number um, you know, when she's in the red dress and she's dancing with Dean Martin. Um I enjoyed yes. that scene. When they're just doing it for the benefit of people hanging out outside, that one. Yeah, that one. I also that's the one that stuck in my brain too because it was a little bit funny. She did a good job. Yeah, part. She did, and I thought it was just funny how, like you said, she was just goofy throughout the whole movie. Like she kind of has a funny little laugh, and yeah, just kind of has funny she does, little movements that she, she does, does weird voices. Actually, I want to see a bunch of her films because. They look hilarious, like in like Born Yesterday, the one she wore won an Oscar for. Just the little I have seen of it from trailers and stuff looks really good. Going back to Lucille Ball again from last week, she just like pulled a lot of faces and did a lot of slapstick humor, like you said. Whereas that's true. Judy yeah. Judy Holiday was like she was a little quirky in the way that like we kind of all feel like we're a little quirky you know like oh we kind of laugh a little funny or we kind of like make funny movements or something you know just a little bit awkward to yeah where she, she's like she, she's just like me <laughs> the word you're searching for is adorkable <laughs> yeah that's like that's the that's the official phrase for her kind of personality on screen <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> actually um She's known for being kind of a ditz on screen, like one of the uh, one of the handful of actresses that helped coin or popularize the phrase "dumb blonde." But she was actually extremely smart. She had a really high IQ, and um, everyone knew her as being a very witty, smart person, very cultured. One of her leading men that she had several times was named Jack Lemon, and he actually had a really funny story about her. He thought she was really pretty and he asked her on a date and she, to his surprise, because he was kind of an unknown at this point, she said yes. So she was always doing crossword puzzles and she was doing a lot of things to keep her mind busy between takes and everything. So he knew that she was a smart lady. Anyway, they borrow somebody's car and they take it up this mountainside and they get a flat tire and at the top of the mountain. So he parks the car and he says, I'm going to go get help at a gas station down at the bottom of the hill and I'll be right back. So you just stay here, lock the door and I'll, I'll be right back. So he walks down this long hill, at least part of the way. And he realizes it's miles down to the gas station. He kind of, he kind of <laughs> gives up and he trudges back up the hill and she's still kind of sitting in the car. I, I don't really know what his plan was, but he's like, I don't know what we're going to do next. And she's like, do you have a handkerchief on you? And he said, here you go. And he's and he looks and she's wiping off tire grease off of her hands because she just <laughs> changed the tire for him. <laughs> anyway, so they were able to go on their date, but nothing That's came funny. of it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So yeah, very cute musical with an adorable leading lady. Bells are ringing. Worth a watch. And thanks for the request. And if you comment on our Instagram for one of your favorite movies, we'll work them into our schedule. So don't hesitate. So what is next, though? We have covered three female legends and their films in the last few weeks. But next week, I'm very excited. We'll watch arguably a guy film. 
definitely hunky leads, <clears throat> macho intrigue, and masculine fashion, another one of our favorites. So prepare to hear us gush over the next film. Yeah, the music alone is worth the watch, I, in my opinion. Yes, <laughs> I'm still listening to it, actually, just because it makes me really happy. <laughs> it's good cleaning music, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So we'll see you next week. <laughs>